Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's a lot more comparable to um, dirty dancing. You have a mentor figure that's teaching someone to pull off a big move in a lake and it ends with a big show-stopping <laughs> performance, which is something that kids could do. It's um, a great 80 score at the end oh, of the Oh, an amazing score. I mean, if you listen to You're the Best and you're on a treadmill, oh. you're going to run through a wall. <laughs> there was far too much romance and not enough kicking people in the face. Right, I can't give this an objective kind of critical analysis because it'd be like kicking eight-year-old me in the face, doing a roundhouse <laughs> kick, and eight-year-old me saying, you're an idiot for, for ever dreaming uh, to, to one day be a karate master like Danielson. Hello, everyone. Joining Flixwatcher today, we have Kevin. Oh, yeah. We have Will. Hello there. And as always, Kobe. Hey. And we're here to review The Karate Kid. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Joining Flixwatcher today remotely, we have Kevin and Will. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Uh, my name is Kevin Leanne. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, I wrote a film called Grabbers that came out uh, about eight or nine years ago, a monster movie. Um, and I've adapted Neil Gaiman for TV. I did uh, an anthology series based on his work. Uh, but I'm also a, a co-host on a podcast called Best Bits Podcast, which is all about um, film scenes, favourite film scenes. And Best Bits comes out on a Wednesday as well, which is... You know, Hump day. Great day, great day. Great day to release a podcast. So uh, one thing I should say, we're going to ask you a bit more about Best Bits in a, in a, in a second, but if you're listening to FlixWatcher on, on a Wednesday, just take a, a pause for a second. Best Bits podcast. It'll be on the same podcast app that you're on now. Find it. I'll give you a second. Subscribe. Hit five stars <laughs> before you listen. <laughs> before you've even started. Five stars, Pete, and a lengthy review. Uh, and then, yeah, okay, now you come back to FlixWatcher. So tell us a bit about Best Bits podcast. Should, should, should we let, did Will introduce oh, himself? Did well, I? Yeah, we can do it, go on. All right, hello there. Hi, because you can't so see Best us. So Best Bits podcast is basically... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I'm I'm your former co-host of the Best Bits podcast, uh, Will Collins. Um, I'm I'm also a screenwriter. Um, you might know me from my most recent film, which was uh, Wolfwalkers, and uh, that, and also previously to that, Song of the Sea. Um, yeah, and I'm the co-host, also a co-host of uh, the Best Bits Pod. And I'll tell you a little bit about the Best Bits Pod. It's great crack. We have, um, <laughs> the idea is, it's our motto is films are fun. And it is a podcast where we have a big, huge uh, wheel full of topics, which we spin, which is full of like random topics from like best action scene to best uh, scene set in a corridor to uh uh, best henho scene <laughs> they're not scenes they're not topics but anyway we left that on their list and one person goes away uh, for a week and uh, researches their topic and makes their presentation to the other to the co-host uh, that week <laughs> and takes them on their journey through that topic and sh- and relives their best bits and it's great fun it's a way of for us as screenwriters to engage with our own love of cinema and uh, I love doing it it's great crack and it's free <laughs> one thing i love about cinema and, and film is that how often that kind of brings people together and there's a group of friends of mine in manchester who we we met quite late on like 25 ish and we all had like fond memories of the scene from kickboxer jean-claude van damme doing his dance and that's not even <laughs> oh, it's like a minute dance of the film, is obscene but, it's, <laughs> but it it's is it's, so... it's, 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 you have some scenes and films that really like galvanize people together don't you and, and that was one yeah. that like really got us together we like we'd seen it when we were like eight or whatever and then 20 years later we're all laughing about no one should gyrate their hips that hard That's... Oh, amazing Wait, you say best best corridor scene well isn't that terminator 2 surely best corridor scene i mean you said that i i was just thinking we need to edit that wheel because i don't remember that scene suggestion <laughs> best scene in a corridor I was, I was thinking inception yeah inception that's it that's the one straight away in- inception but terminator 2 is definitely up there so yeah those are two also, right alien, in there everything with ripley going down different corridors you know with a flamethrower definitely be added to the wheel <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> the wheel just keeps on growing and growing it does and it's huge i've got to move it out yeah is, 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 is it a physical wheel or is it just a it is yeah no it's not it's on <laughs> it's an app on our phone we just been... it's so awkward because we just ship it to each other between podcasts and well we you, you mentioned wolf walkers and song of the sea and um obviously this this is the as we record inside of baseball, this is the um, day after the Oscars have announced and um, Wolf Hawkers has been nominated. Um, yes. And I've seen, I, th- I love everything that Cartoon Saloon does. I think it's it's, mag- it's beautiful and magnificent. Um, and it's also, it's like alongside Pixar and like, Studio Ghibli, it has its own kind of very distinctive style in the in the presentation and animation. Is that something you, yeah. do you write that into the story? Or are you thinking I- about that as you... To a certain extent, uh, to a certain extent, when I first, I suppose it was a kind of a serendipity how I got working with them. Literally, I finished, I started off in live action and I still write in live action. I still think of stories in any medium. But um, I, I've always have loved the Studio Ghibli style and Studio Ghibli uh, stuff. And by pure chance, when they were finishing their first feature film, um, The Secret of Kells, they were looking to start up work on the next feature. And they, this was before, this was before, like they, they were, they weren't really well known at all at that stage, and they reached out to me and said, "Listen, you poor, you be, you were recommended to us. Would you like to come in and meet us?" But as soon as they saw their animation style, I just went, "Yeah, 
this is exactly the type of thing I want to do. This t- this tone and the mm. the style that they were going for. There was a kind of a darker edge to their to their storytelling, and their they they, they I could see that they were taking their family stories in a kind of a in a against the grain against the kind of the the way let's say the Pixar and American animation was going which really really was up my alley I wanted to tell darker fairy tale stories and so yeah it's been a kind of a perfect home for me we are talking today about the Karate Kid which is your choice Kevin can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then give us a synopsis in less than 60 seconds I chose it because I've just uh, been watching the reboot series and mm. I love it. I think it's it's way better than <laughs> it has any right to be. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I decided to uh, delve back into the original, which is like a definitive 80s film. But um, to give you the synopsis, basically, it's, uh, it's from esteemed screenwriter Robert uh, Mark Kamen and Academy Award winning director John G. Avelson, who won his Oscar for Rocky. Uh, Karate Kid is the story of a wide-eyed 16-year-old Daniel LaRusso, played by the eternally youthful Ralph Macchio, who relocates from New Jersey to LA with his plucky single mother and moves into a rundown building where there he meets the building's eccentric Okinawan immigrant handyman named Mr. Miyagi, played by legendary character actor uh, Pat Morita. Daniel joins a new high school. Uh, he hits it off with the adorable cheerleader Ali, played by everyone's teen dream babysitter Elizabeth Shue. Uh, but that draws the unwanted attention of Johnny Lawrence, who is a black belt at Cobra Kai Dojo. And he kicks the shit out of Daniel uh, until Mr. Miyagi steps in. And there begins the, the journey from Daniel becoming Daniel's son, beloved underdog of a generation, the 80s kid that we all rooted for. Uh, all felt like and all wanted to be the iconic Karate Kid. Splendid, splendid. Um, I so edited that it. down there because I thought I was going long. <laughs> was no, like... that's fine. We're going to talk about the rest of it, you know, in the next 40 minutes or so. Helen, this is your first time watching Karate Kid. It was. And you are of the same kind of era as myself. An, so an I know kid. your scores are going to be one, 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 <laughs> one, one. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how, this, you know, you, there's How? just films from your childhood that How? are blind spots and How? we've revealed two of them this year and i just i'd never seen it obviously i know like of the scenes um and wax on wax off and you know the the how it's embedded itself into popular culture but watching it i was like maybe watching it now it'll come back to me like smelling salts or something and no it didn't and i, I was i was massively disappointed with the amount of romance and the lack of karate is uh is my takeaway that there was far too much romance and not enough kicking people in the face it's a lot longer than i thought it was it's a a full two hour long film there's a lot of setup it doesn't need to be that long for this kind of film does it it doesn't you know karate go fast chop 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 uh but (laughs) For me, you know, because it's made by John G. Alveson, you know, director of Rocky, it often gets compared to to that film as being like the teen version of Mm. um, Rocky. But I think it's a lot more comparable to um, Dirty Dancing in that you have uh, a mentor figure that's teaching someone to pull off a big move in a lake and it ends with a big (laughs) show-stopping performance, which is really kind of anticlimactic and not that impressive, really. It's something that kids could do. To a great, to a great uh, 80s score at the end oh, of the Oh, an amazing score. I mean, if you listen to You're the Best and you're on a treadmill, oh. you're going to run through a wall. <laughs> I thought there were more lyrics to that song. 
<laughs> it doesn't need to be. <laughs> it's just you're the best. You're the best. You're the best around. <laughs> I was surprised that no, banana no, 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 will pop no. up in this. I thought it was fake banana armor because there's like fake Beach Boys. I was like, oh, that's real banana oh, armor. They obviously was. got the rights for that. It does uh, have well, a tiny bit of a TV yeah. sort of vibe to it. Well, your 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 thoughts and uh, uh, listen, Cross Kid. I grew up. Uh, I grew up in the eighties, and this was one of my go-to video rentals. And I swear to God. I practiced that. Um, the, the, the it's a swan kick, the crane, isn't crane it? Kick. The crane kicks. Oh, the crane swan kick. kick. Who, who am I? Um, the crane kick. Um, but you know what I? What I? I so I love this. It's just everything about this is just pure nostalgia. So I'm. I can't really separate. I can't give this an objective kind of critical analysis because it'd be like kicking eight-year-old me in the face doing a roundhouse <laughs> kick, and eight-year-old me saying, "You're an idiot for for ever dreaming to to one day be a karate master like Danielson." But the one thing I loved about this, re- rewatching it, was uh, was something that I think is desperately missing from contemporary films. It's in, you know, when they have opening credits, right? For every film back yeah. in the 80s, they just have like these second unit shots of landscape stuff. And, you know, I used to love that. It was just like shots of a city, shots of New Jersey, shots of the desert. And it was such a thing in the 80s. I love that. Just just give me shots of where the, where the story is set. See, and I me had a memory of it just starting with the car pulling up outside the apartment complex. Yeah, that was the very like first a, shot. Was it and like I was, a, a TV edit? Like to cut yeah, it down no, I was looking no. at it thinking, oh, I've put on a director's cut here, I think. This must be an no. extended edition. Because it always just started with him pulling up and... and uh, I always remember yeah. those shots as a kid. I always remember those shots as a kid. There was like shots just over they the credits. They feel quite sitcom It feels like, you know, you're, you're about to watch some 70s sitcom beginning. Uh, who's the boss? Yeah. Standing um, tall. <laughs> <laughs> but I love yeah, it. I, I love it as well. I, I'm a, a, Well, obviously, Helen's a kid of the 80s as well, but you just managed to miss it. Uh, the other one, the other film was Bugsy Malone that you missed as a, as a kid, which is not something to watch. As I've still we... not seen that. Oh, oh. Mm, interesting. interesting! Doesn't that that, that seems really well, the, weird and the, strange to me? As an adult, I can understand one hundred percent watching that for the first time, thinking it's the weirdest film. But as a kid in the eighties, watching it for the first time, you're like, I want everything in this film, and can I have it now? Cry <clears throat> um, <laughs> Kid, yes, love it, and uh, it's such a an amazing film for me as a kid. Um, I went into, I did loads of martial arts as a kid. And you still love the film? And, well, this is, this is part <laughs> of what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, inspired me to do lots of martial arts. But when, when revisiting this film after becoming good and going to competitions, martial arts competitions, this film is absolute nonsense in terms of the, in terms of the karate. <laughs> but it still doesn't, it just doesn't matter. The, yeah. the, the Cobra Kai series makes not one lick of sense in terms of how people fighting, but that's, I think that's part of the the charm of it. It's just it does it transcends that. It doesn't need to be good. Yeah. Danielson in in Cobra Kai can't lift his leg up more than like a foot, but it's still he's still Danielson and it's fine. Um, I'll tell you what though, I was very impressed with Ralph Macchio's keepy uppy skills in uh, yeah, I was. the credit. Yeah. I was like, wait, hang on, you're like, an American. These, these, are, these are Americans. They shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he could have been the soccer kid. 
Another thing I was impressed by was, you know, sometimes when you go back and revisit these uh, films from your childhood, all of a sudden, like the creakiness, like really becomes apparent, like also in the creakiness of the acting and performance. Mm. And the one that really stood up uh, for me as uh, being for for a kind of a relatively, you know, co-starring role was Elizabeth Shue. Like she, like it's a thankless kind of role in a way, but I think she was really good. I just went, yeah. oh, she's, she's, she, she was great back then. You know, talent was there. Like, you know, so I just thought she was impressive. I think well. they're all all great in this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing to me that Ralph Macchio was able to convincingly play a 14-year-old. Um, How old are they meant to be in this? Because 16, they look 17, about 25. Going to senior school. They do <laughs> not. <laughs> My God, I was looking look at well. Ralph Macchio thinking, yeah. he's 13 if he's anything. Yeah, he's got no He's got no upper body. He was mm. 22. He was 22. He was 22, was he? Yeah. Yeah, so he was 22, and I think she's the same age as well. So they were, okay. they were both both pretty old if you kind of look at her face you're like i i, I was like i don't know Jeez, how old i had these the total opposite um reaction i was like oh they're they're children they're so young i thought uh, he looked like a child but i didn't think elizabeth she i thought she looked a bit older but i, I guess that's no she, she's probably done the best out of the crowd kid uh, cast hasn't she most consistent she probably with has, films. yeah um i mean ralph macho uh, it was one of the things about the cobra kai series is is johnny lawrence and um ralph macho you know the the actor who's in, yes i f- always forget his name uh he's fantastic and he didn't mm. do that much work uh, coming off the karate kid and i think that's a, a bit of a crime really because he's he's so good i, th- I think the whole cast in this film are great um i mean pat Morita was nominated for an oscar for it so oh really yeah, yeah. Best supporting actor. How much do you think comes down to the story and the direction? Um, you know, do you think that's a, a well, it's such a, major a satisfying factor? story arc, isn't it? It's like the mm. surrogate dad that um, is healed by the the, the mental role. But uh, it for me, this film is just brimming with charm. It's just such a innocent, naive um, film that has got its heart in the right place and. It is a long film, but it spends a lot of time sort of giving you moments that are just the characters being kind mm-hmm. and, you know, just kindness and, and characters that can make you laugh. I think you'll go to hell and back with those types of uh, characters and the relationship between Daniel and uh, and Mr. Miyagi, it's it's wonderful. It's so sort of warm and... and I remember that story, that, that, sorry, that scene as a kid uh, where you find out that Mr. Miyagi had a wife and um, him and his, his wife and son died it was in child is in yeah. um, during labor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and obviously as as a kid i was i didn't know what that was about and i was like well, what's this sad scene but then as an adult you're like fucking hell <laughs> this, is, mm-hmm. this is really this is really quite intense uh mm-hmm. bit in, in this what what i remember being like a light-hearted 80s like knockabout um so i can i can i can see that uh, you know that kind of nomination and that kind of weight to the storytelling. I even like just the relationship that he had with his mom. His mom mm. just being this eternally optimistic, plucky sort of like she's not feeling sorry for herself. She's she's gonna do this. It's gonna work out. We're in the the city of angels, and uh, just you know taking her son on his date with Elizabeth Shue. There's just sort of like oh. scenes that would have been cut from any other film, and maybe they should have been cut from this. But I just like that relationship. I liked how everyone that's just another had thing heart. That, that- 
had me questioning, like, you know, when I watched it this time as an adult, I never, as a kid, you know, as a kid, I watched it from Danielson's, like Danielson, Danielson's perspective that he was just being dragged along. But now I'm watching it from the mom's perspective. I'm like going, well, she, she, she's going to a job. Okay. She's got a job. What's the situation? I wanted to know more about um, what was going on and from her point of view, but I felt that I'm, I was so delighted I never got the answers. I felt that it, it felt I was creating my own kind of narrative to why she was going over there. And that kind of void kind of made it more, I suppose, I invested in her character and their kind of stake of the stakes of them going across the country to this new place. I felt really worried for the both of them. Really, really worried <laughs> for the both of them. As a, like, you know, as practical parents, and I go, geez, I hope she's got this job works out and they're a long way from home. You had seen it before, hadn't you? <laughs> I had, but but my emotion, my, my reaction to it was different, you know, because I hadn't seen it in so long. Another thing I want to point out is the score. Now, you're talking about some of the, you're the best around, but there's an actual, the, the orchestral score Bill is Conti. actually... Bill Conti score. There we go. Da, 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 da. I actually, when it was playing, I just went, it all came back to me. And I think it was, uh, I think it's a really lovely score that's that's another art that's kind of sadly kind of dwindling out in family films. Oh, and do you think score, I think, it's, I think it's on its ascendance, really. This, well, maybe there's a few, I don't know. I, I, I think it's... You mean in general terms in movies at the moment? Well, if you, if you think about like Trent Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross at the moment with their, their two noms, I think what they've kind of done for soundtracks is really interesting. And it's that weird kind of bringing mainstream music into that world. And they've kind of reached this very kind of weird place that I, I like them existing in. I mm. love I love what Trent Reznor and and uh, Atticus isn't it Atticus Ross isn't it um, yeah um, I love what they're doing and I love their scores. What I'm talking about is that here we have with Karate Kid. It's just a, a kind of a general run of the mill kind of family uh, film, and there there was a there's a lovely recognizable theme score to this, which I think is disappearing from those, if whatever comparable film we have out there, you can't really think of score. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but I kind of feel that it's the number of quality scores out there are dwindling now. Maybe it's due to the editing of films. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Protect I don't know. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> um, one thing, again, watching as, a, as an older person and... Um, someone who understands the geography of America. And I remember watching as a kid thinking, okay, so it's just gone from New Jersey to California. Fine. Who, who cares? But when you actually realize that's literally almost like the two furthest points in the United yeah. States, you can go w- without <laughs> yeah. crossing water. That's, that's like the difference between here and going to like M- Moscow mm. yeah. uh, in terms of distance. And it's, yeah, when you're talking Will about seeing it from his mum's eyes, that's a huge, that's a huge, huge shift. Um, so yeah, I I was a bit more synthetic. I, I, I love the, the mood as well of the, the sort of the night scenes, those balmy night scenes with the cicadas chirping in the background where he's, you know, waxing on and waxing off. Uh, I just, <laughs> it, you just feel it's like, it's a summary film, even though, you know, some of it takes place on Halloween, but it just has that sort of like a eternally summary uh, L.A., uh, weather that I just I don't know it, it, I love it I feel warm and cosy watching it there was also in watching it now I was so frustrated by Daniel some of his <laughs> Jesus I was just there was times he just antagonised antagonising the bullies he did he did ask for it a few times yeah. sh- ah he was cruising for that it was just like if so- he just <laughs> let him go 
you know, he had to. So have you seen, have you seen any Cobra Kai and Will? I've seen the first few episodes. And yeah, because they, 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 Will, they tried to run him down on a motorbike. All the more reason not to not to drench them when he's in the toilet. What would they do? When I he's would like- have wrapped the hose around his neck and I would have <laughs> tightened it. That's what I would have done. <laughs> I, I had the opposite time. I just thought Daniel was such a such a, a, um, a good natured kid that he just applied himself and he really went for it. And yeah, I, I was sort of impressed that he didn't have those sort of typical teenager tantrums of like, oh, it's not working and you're you're an idiot. But they just barely touch on that for like half a scene. And he immediately sort of gets back into it. But he's just, a, uh, you know, he's just such a likable kid. I, I haven't seen it, and obviously not wanting to spoil Cobra Kai. Um, but the whole premise of Cobra Kai is who, who, is, who was the bad guy in, this, yeah. in the Karate Kid series. And I think they've got a point. Daniel LaRusso is a bit of a dick um, ah. in, in places. <laughs> and um, I watched an interview with a, uh, the screenwriter, the original screenwriter of this, and mm-hmm. he was very defensive about that. He was really? like, um, yeah, he's like, it's not an illegal move. It was a defensive move. He basically nearly the, broke his leg. He had a crane kick at the end because it all sort of feeds off from that, which is like, well, should he really have won uh, that that uh, uh, no, final match? No, because he's not match? good at karate. <laughs> it's a very abrupt turn as well at the very end where um, Johnny Lawrence comes over and goes, you're all right, uh, Daniel. It's like... Wait a second! You just tried to break his leg, and now you're like, you know, "Oh, you kicked me in the face." You're all right. I was We're in cool. a nightclub once. Um, this is back in the nineties. Did the crane kick? Uh, no, no, I certainly didn't do the crane kick. But I saw two guys scoring up, scoring up against each other, and one of them went into the pose with the crane kick, and I just went, "Oh no!" And you could hear the entire nightclub just going, "Oh no, no!" <laughs> it didn't end well for him. It's not a practical move in a in a nightclub fight. As a martial artist, it's not a practical move in any. Uh, Helen you said there's not enough karate too much romance Um, do you think it should have been called a karate kid or the romance kid and and what did you make of the the karate when it did manifest I think the karate kid is is a fine title Um, I mean kind of the first hour is more child labour really isn't it I was like expecting some kind of karate but um Obviously, there's a scene where the it's all revealed. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did I think of the karate? Um, it's it's kind of bizarre. I recently watched The Art of Self-Defense. I don't know if you've seen that. It's the no, Jesse uh, Eisenberg one with the um, with karate. Oh in it. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've not seen it, but I know what you're talking about. There's a lot of karate in that, and this was a very different kind of karate. Oh, okay. Um, mm. I shoot. I don't really know karate, so I can't really speak. Um, but I don't know. I think I was probably expecting a bit more of a tournament at the end, and I couldn't really work out the scoring system. And yeah, because they say at one point, <laughs> next point wins, and then the guy scores the point. Down. <laughs> he goes yeah. down. It's like, well, we'll keep going. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> and I, like, I, I honestly have no idea who could win because this scoring system is insane, and he's so crap. He might not win. <laughs> Maybe he, that's he's why very a graceful, sequel. though. He's got such a, a sort of a graceful movement, the way he sort of like holds his hands and stuff. Uh, I I don't think it has, you know, he, he's so thin that I don't think there's any power behind that stuff where you feel like you'd sneeze and you'd kill him. But um, he's yeah, the way he moves, he's like a dancer almost. Uh, well, Bruce Lee was <laughs> Bruce Lee was really small. Bruce Lee was amazing. Yeah, and he was really small. Yeah, but you watch Bruce Lee and you're like, 
that's just insane. Whereas yeah. this, you're like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I find satisfying about watching this film? And uh, I think it's the same for all sports movies, is when they have the montage of your team progressing through the ranks, where they've kind of gotten yeah. over that initial kind of like stumble when they first go out and you're going to go, oh, they're not even going to get over the first hurdle. And then they, they defeat the first guy. And then all of a sudden the music kicks in and you see their name going up the ranks and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get to the final fight. I just kind of love that in sports films in general. You're saying that though, but the montage that stuck out to me was the uh, the romance montage with himself and Elizabeth Shue. And I thought, did Elizabeth Shue just appear in films where there was always a sort of a dating montage where mm. they're, they're bowling and they're, you know, laughing and, and gallivanting around the place? It just seems to be uh, quite ubiquitous in her career in the 80s. But yeah, sports movies, they always get to me. They're, they're the only films that, aside from Pixar films, that will guarantee to have me in floods of tears. Even if I don't have a clue what's going on, I'll just be in bits crying because it's that... What, 80s that, films? No, sports films. <laughs> yeah, 80s films, just in general. Rambo 3. Uh, yeah. But you, you've got to look, it's, the underdog story is try tested and it'll be manifest in many different ways until we're swallowed up in massive supernova by the sun. And it's, it's great. And it, it gets me every time. And like you said, I love that that stumbling, the first stumble. Oh, he's okay. He'll make it through the next round. And then the the score kicks in. And your heart and your adrenaline pumps and then everything keeps going and it's just... It's I want to clarify though, delight. this film didn't make me cry. But in general, sports <laughs> films make me cry. <laughs> Is it a sports film? I don't, I think, I don't it's really It's a coming of age a, film, really. Yeah. It's an underdog I'd, story. It's like dirty dancing, as I say. It's coming it's of a sports age. film. Um, anything else, guys, before we head to the scores? I, I want to add something. Uh, one thing that always irritates me is, you know, when Mr. Miyagi says you can pick a car out for your birthday, Daniel picks the worst bloody car. Do you think that's the worst one? Oh, the color <laughs> is like awful. like Grease Lightning. Oh, I hate it. And it's like this, and the color is awful, and it looks like, and I even the seeing him drive it, it looks, no, this isn't like, I still, <laughs> I think this film's great. But when I see him turning that big wheel, I'm like going, Jesus, will you get that young fellow out of the car? He can't drive that. Like, you know, it's just, sorry, but I still love it. <laughs> I still enjoy it. It's still it's still me. It, it elicits this emotion in me where I want... I'm so afraid of Daniel, right? And I'm like going, Daniel's going to get himself killed. He needs, needs to go back to New Jersey and give Dad up the karate. energy coming out. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I just want to make uh, one sort of a uh, little notation as well that uh, a shout out, special shout out to the ubiquitous peripheral sidekick uh, of the villains. <laughs> and uh, Karate Kid has got a great one with the guy screaming, get him a body bag! Bobby. <laughs> All those, all those villains could be like you know Nazi soldiers. You just put like they all look so. They're Aryan. very blonde, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're so they're so Aryan. I love that shot. I love that body bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was surprised as well that the the head of the Kobukai Dojo, I'm forgetting his name though, John but he's Cruz. only in like two scenes. I just remember him being all over that film. Well, he, you know, his 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 villainy looms so large throughout yeah, the story yeah. that he's mm-hmm. just. He's got a really yeah. crap tattoo as well. <laughs> Have you seen Karate Kid 2? Yes. Mm, I saw that in the cinema. Did you? Oh, look at I you. I did. My older cousins, we went to the cinema in Croydon. And uh, when the film ended, they uh, they were about 10 years older than me. They got me and them, obviously, as well, to sink down into our seats. And we just stayed there until the house lights came on 
And then the house lights went down again and the film played over again and we watched the film twice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. Yes. Never done that they must have been trying to avoid something. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and I don't remember much more other than those little things that they, you know, spin back and the forth to make drums. that. Yeah, like the vu-vu, uh, the vu- oh, I can't even say the it. Zellers. Yes, like those things, the, <laughs> the, the, the Japanese version of a, of that thing. <laughs> But, but like it picks up right where literally like the next scene after the end of Karate Kid. I love it when films uh, do that. I love it's it. Great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Let's get to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the stripped media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flix Watcher Scores, the spreadsheet of dreams. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Kevin, with your recommendability. So this is a difficult one because I think that this film will not work at all for younger generations. Uh, Even for fans of Cobra Kai, I think it'll be more of a curiosity for them. I think it really is one of the most heavy nostalgia uh, um, uh, films that it, it really works for a specific generation, my generation, basically. Um, but trying to recommend this to others, I, I don't think it's going to go down that well with them. So as much as I love it, I'm going to say 2.5. Ooh. Mm. Well. Kevin, I'd li- I, I, I'm, I'm delighted to be able to, uh, to counter what you just said, because I put this film on uh, when my kids were in the room, four and six, and they absolutely got totally yes, invested. Yes, but they four and six, Will. Well, I suppose if I put on a, a snow for a while, they would have gotten invested in that too. <laughs> but my daughter, she was like going, those guys are bullies, aren't they, Dad? And I was like going, yes, they are. And see that kid there? He's going to kick their ass. So I think this is one of those universal stories that anyone could sit down and watch. And it's classical. And it's, you know, everyone's, all the characters are warm and all the bad guys are just really bad. And so I give it a, I think it's a five. I'd recommend it to everyone. And it's got lovely, it's nice cheese. I think it's good cheese. Helen. I mean, I don't really hang out with the age group that I think this is aimed at. So for me to recommend it, I would need to make some very young friends and tell them that they should watch it. Because I think everyone I know has seen this apart from me. Um, I, I, I agree with you. It's basically, bullies are bad. If you work really hard at something, you can learn it and become good and it's also like it's quite a nice shout out to single mums going come on single mums you can do this you don't need mm-hmm. don't need a dad as long as you've got a friendly karate master living in your uh, <laughs> in your your basement building um i mean it is far too long um for kids but and it is it's pretty cheesy <laughs> but the the spirit of the karate kid and what it stands for you can't really deny that. So I'm going to give it a four. Oh, Kevin has scored this the lowest. I'm going for a five. Um, 
Violence hey. is the answer. That's the message of the film. <laughs> so you're against the message. Fine. That's fine. It's a five. Um, maybe 4.9. Uh, take it down a notch for people who um, take against violence. Yeah, love it. Love it to bits. Amazing. Uh, Kevin, repeat the score. Okay, um, I feel like I need to uh, to um, beef it up a little bit now because I've probably gone in a little too uh, harsh there. Uh, repeat, so if you've seen it once, you will definitely watch it again. Uh, so I would say five. <laughs> it's some weird kind of defensive scoring, depending your own initial recommended score. Uh, will? Honestly, look, I watched this a couple of months ago and I watched it again at the weekend and I think, like, uh, I'd watch it again next weekend. So I'm going to give it a five. I love it. It's great. Helen? I mean, I'm probably the least likely person here here to re- revisit it. Um, but, hey, if I went to a kid's party and they put it on on the TV, I'd sit down and watch it, probably. Uh, <laughs> going to give it a two. Five. 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 <laughs> I watched it twice this year already. Uh, and I watched Cobra Kai. Looking forward to Cobra Kai again. And then when Cobra Kai season four comes out, I'll probably watch this again. Um, Do you like uh, part two, actually, just before you move part on? Part two's all right. Part two's all right. It's a bit melodramatic-y. Uh-huh. Um, it has to be, you know, part two has to amp up the stakes a bit. Because the thing about, okay, the thing about Daniel son, the start of part two, he's like, Mr. Miyagi gets the opportunity to kill John Kreese. It's not really a spoiler because it's a setup for, the, for part two. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. And Danielson's like, why didn't you kill him? And you're like, <laughs> no, it's coming back to me. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Why, why are you asking? Did you want him to straight up kill another person for, for Well, what he's Italian, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, if you can watch it, watch that part two. That won't make the edit. <laughs> if, you, if you watch part two, at least watch the first few minutes and... And that, that also plays into his character with, within the Cobra Kai TV series as to who is the bad guy. Because when I watched it again, with the hindsight of him, with the reminder that he was just like, why, why didn't you kill that guy? And he said it a few different times in a few different films. Why didn't you just kill him? You're like, that's, Daniel, that's murder. Hmm. Um, oh my God. Does someone learnt, die you've there? Karate Daniel, for three months. You? You've learned karate for three months and now you want to straight out kill people. That is not, that's not good. That's my and digression. It totally shows up. Can I, can I interject as well? When Mr. Miyagi is returning in part two, Mr. Miyagi is going back to Okinawa because his mother is is dying. And mm. Danielson shows up as Mr. Miyagi is going on the plane. Daniel, Danielson shows up like with a ticket saying, Mr. Miyagi, I'm coming. I got my ticket. And Mr. Miyagi is going, um, this is very personal, intimate. Uh, could you not come? <laughs> And uh, Daniel says, no, nah, Mr. Miyagi, you won't even know I'm there. You know, he's like, Mr. Miyagi, what's this? You know, it's, well, Daniel, just shut up. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of, he's very intrusive, kind of Danielson. He's, yeah, he's yeah, intrusive. He's going to go yeah. drag around this kid who doesn't speak Japanese, yeah. asks yeah, about yeah, every little single what's thing. What's he doing? Pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, he doesn't even know how to use that drum. Anyway, sorry, small screen score. Kevin. It's watchable no matter how you watch it. Uh, iPad phone, laptop, mm. TV, whatever. It's going to work for you. It's, uh, it's, yeah, four, I'll say, because, you know, protecting the, uh, the s- sacredness of the cinema. <laughs> I won't say five. Well, I, I let go of that. Four, I think the same. It's one of those films that will just work on a small screen and uh, as well as it would on the big screen. So four. Helen. To, to honour its life as a VHS, which probably pretty much most people saw it unless they were lucky enough to 
be the right age in 1984 as everyone has probably watched it and loved it on TV. So I'm going to give it a five for the small screen score. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Yeah, I've only ever seen it on small screen and I'd love to watch it as a Prince Charles with other people of it. Um, mm. I think that'd be great fun. That but, can be um, quite a risky move though, because I've often seen films I've loved on the big screen and they don't hold up as well. Uh, Gremlins is one of those films where watching it on the big screen, you know, held captive by the film, it was like, this film is insane. Uh, <laughs> so I saw yeah. I saw Gremlins at, at the Prince Charles for the first time on the big screen and I loved it even more. Um, it's it's weird. It, it, I saw it was manic, it was so manic. It is, it's, it's, it's insane. And that's one of the films that like, scared me as a kid. And, yeah. and then when I saw it on the big screen, I hadn't seen it for like 15 years. It's like it's a straight out comedy. I don't know what I was I was afraid of as a kid because it's not it's not a scary film. Robocop had the total opposite effect to me then, where I thought this is a great film, but then seeing it on the big screen, I thought no, no, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> really, we're going to take it down a peg or two. No, uh, let's go engagement score, Kevin. I I found this rewatch quite long. As I said, I thought it was um I thought it was a director's cut. Or a TV edit, you know, pad it out. Uh, I think there's things you could lose. Uh, so yeah, it didn't, you know, at times I felt like get on with it, but I still really like it. And, you know, it's, but it feels like a first assembly cut. So I would say to the director, just go back in there and snip out about 20 minutes. So for that, I'm going to say it's about 3.8. Will. Yeah, I I would go. I would. I, so I I would. Yeah, I would echo that. About three point five. I just think. Um, it, it if it was on, I would I would watch for for a few minutes and go. Oh yeah, this is great, and get the old nostalgia kick. But I wouldn't have that like obsessive compulsive impulse to just sit there on the edge of uh, a sharp blade of glass and just watch it. Um, I would just, yeah, I would just, I would well, find I mean, What films spot. do you have that compulsion for? Because I, you know. I, I, it happens to me, well, not- Don't say grabbers. <laughs> it actually happened to me. I walked by a screen and a very small screen and Miller's Crossing was on it. And I was standing and I could only see it standing. And I stood there for the entire duration like you know, it oh, was. Wow. I wasn't out in the street or anything like that. It was like in the house, and I just went. I was just. It just locked me in. I was like, I was hypnotized, and I just had to watch the whole thing because I couldn't pause. It was live on TV, so I just. I was just stuck in this one position. I just watched it for the whole running time. So that's a five, you know. But so this is a three point five for me. That's fine. That's fair. That's a good uh, scale to use, uh, Helen. It's fair to say that you don't need to be a hundred percent engaged in this to kind of see where where the, the story is going. And I've already said, it is quite long. And Did there's... you know exactly what was going to happen, Helen, before watching this? Oh, I guess you knew you knew the story anyway, didn't you? I knew there would be some kind of karate tournament because that happened. They signed up for it. Um, I was just <laughs> kind of waiting for that to kind of happen a little a little bit earlier. Um, You've got to see the so... training, though, and you've got to see the wax on. what You've got to see the muscle memory kicking in so he knows how to defend himself, even though he's never been in the fight. But that doesn't come in for like over an hour. You have to wait an hour to get to that and like you know we've been washing cars for hours i'm like come on where's the bit where you use the karate cut out like, the opening credits that, that'll make a, a a nice head start on it they should have called it the diy kid that's what they should have called it so what was your score three three yeah i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go quite low on this as well um especially because i've seen it so much now i think this is quite happily where i'd lie on the sofa 
and be playing around on my phone and then wait for the, for the really good bits. But otherwise, I don't need to be looking at the screen to know which bit it is. And there's some bits like at the country club where I'm just like, Daniel, you're, you're, you're a dick. Um, so I, th- th- Those are the scenes where I was watching it and I felt like I, I wasn't sure. Again, I thought it was a director's cut because I had no memory of those scenes. But you wouldn't. I like, what I is this? <laughs> Maybe you, you kind of like recorded it off the TV as a kid and you kind of just recorded the best bits. And that was the <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I don't like this stuff. And you press stop and then you press record again. That gives us an overall score. So I go for three point two. That gives us an overall score of four point oh two five zero zero. Good, oh, pretty oh high. God. Yeah, broken the four mark. Well, that's all, Corby. <laughs> that's all you. You you will bump that up five five five. <laughs> yeah. So guys, can you let everyone know where we can find you online? Find your podcast. Find your films. And uh, say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Well, uh, you can find me mainly on Twitter under Willemsfilm, W-I-L-L-U-M-S-F-I-L-L-U-M. Um, if you want to see my most recent film, it's Wolf Walkers, and that's on Apple TV+. Plus. Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter as well. It's at Kevin Lehane, uh, just my name. Uh, we're also uh, on Twitter with uh, at Best Bits Pod, which is the podcast handle. And uh, episodes are out every Wednesday on that, and there are Good fun. We have a laugh doing them. So we'd love it if you uh, guys check this out. And uh, in terms of films, they're uh, they're online. If you just type in um, Grabbers, it'll pop up somewhere. I don't know where, but it'll pop up. And uh, Likely Stories, uh, that's on, I think it's on No TV. Um, but it's out there. They're all over the place. All four of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking yeah. now because... Um... There's this app called Just Watch, which we recommend to our guests who watch before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Slug and Grabbers. Grabbers is available now on Amazon TV, YouTube, uh, and Apple TV. So there you go. Go ahead go over there. Grab it now. Go grab it. Oh, <laughs> wow, there you go. On that bombshell. <laughs> Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks for coming on. Love it. Was great. Thank you Bye. very much. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production 